Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. All right. Good afternoon, family. How's everybody doing? You ready for a brand new series? We are starting our brand new series called Christmas List, Good Time, Good News in Bad Times. So why don't we stand up for the reading of the word? The reason why we stand up is because we um, believe that this is a firm foundation upon which we stand. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We say the Bible is our guide here. So let's jump in to Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. And it's actually the first day, first Sunday of Advent. There's four. And each Sunday we'll be talking about the four names of Jesus. He has many names, but the four names um, that are found here, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Let's read it. For to us a son is born, to us a son is given. Everyone say Jesus. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and, other, and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that shapes us, molds us, and makes us. Um, and Lord, I pray that it would just change us from the inside out. Speak to us. May it be your words, um, not mine. May it be your words. Be glorified today. Um, and we give you all the praise. Thank you for your son, your precious holy name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, I'm excited to jump in here. Again, like we said, Christmas list. Um, there are many names, and the four that are listed that we're going to be talking about in the next four weeks is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this prophecy was spoken of by Isaiah 800 years before Jesus even came onto this earth. And 800 years prior, the Assyrians had taken over the people of God. They had plundered them, and they were holding on to the hope of their prophet, Isaiah, who said that there would be a new government. The government would be upon his shoulder, and this child would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. They didn't realize they would be waiting for 800 years. <laughs> but thank God, we know who Jesus is, and we have peace. We have counsel. We have a mighty God and a wonderful counselor. Everybody say wonderful. And now counselor. We have a wonderful counselor. Um, just a few Months back, Caleb and I, we went and hung out with some pastors from all over the country, and we normally hang out with them every year, but for two years straight, we were unable to be with them, partly because of COVID and just taking um, a year off, and then we reconvened earlier in April, and as we were getting together and gathering around round tables, there was an icebreaker game, right, when you're at these pastors' gatherings or anything at church, you mostly... You, you'll likely have an icebreaker at a community event. True or false? 
true, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the icebreaker event was like, you know, let us know of any um, hobbies that you picked up in the last two years while we were away from one another. And as we're going around the room, Caleb's like golf. I mean, that's nothing new. He just golfed a lot, lot, lot more. Um, but then there are other people who said, oh, we um, gardened. Now I'm like a DIY house home expert. And then I leaned over to Caleb and I'm just like, well, can I say that my uh, hobby was therapy? Because that's what we did a lot of in that couple of years. Is anybody else with me on that? Therapy's kind of fun, huh? Yeah, okay, one hand, awesome. Well, we're talking about the wonderful counselor today. We're gonna change that response. Um, but um, yeah, but there kind of came a point in um, our life where with all the bad news that was happening around us, I think a lot of things were happening in our emotional um, well-being, our mental health. I think a lot of people are now seeing someone. I feel like there's um, a common thing that we start to ask people, like, who are you seeing? Where's your therapist? What's your therapist's name? Where is your therapist from? Like, who, do you like them? Can I go to them? Like, that's a newer conversation. But it's funny that, um, you know, we're talking about therapy a lot more and counselors. Um, and I think that we have relegated wonderful counselor in the word of God to something less than the therapist that we see nowadays. And I think it's so interesting that in the list of names, wonderful counselor is the first one because I, I think that there's a level of humility that comes when you take the counsel of somebody else. But when you say things like Prince of Peace, Mighty God, it's like, yeah, Mighty God, give me a miracle or give me a peace and give me peace or give me, oh, I need that everlasting father. I need a father. But when you just have like a wonderful counselor, I think it's, um, I think we don't realize how much we don't access the wonderful counselor as we should. Yeah. Wonderful counselor. When you hear somebody say wonderful, it's kind of an older like word or compliment. It's not like, oh, that's great. It's like, oh, that's wonderful. Just like this really surface level. That's pretty. That's cute. But there's nothing cute about the wonderful counselor. It's something that should be awe-inspiring. It should be something that leaves us in wonder. The word wonderful is a unique word in the Hebrew language, and it's a word that is applied to something that could only have been done by an act of God. When you look up the definition, it's only something that could have been accomplished by an act of God, and it's actually very unusual to use that word as it relates to any human capabilities. So when something is wonderful, it should leave us astonished and in wonder. Then the word counselor, this word means all knowledge of the past, present, and future of all things. Someone say all things. All purposes. Say all purposes. And all plans which belong to God. He even knows all of our hearts. When the word counselor is used, it's knowing the heart of man. You know, some of us think that we know our hearts because we can kind of navigate our emotions, um, but our emotions aren't really even truly telling of what's happening in our hearts. Only God really knows our hearts. It says in the word that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. We sometimes, I think, we virtue signal up the wazoo these days. And we're all have, we all have good hearts. 
but I don't think that's actually true. Um, thank God we have a wonderful counselor who does actually know our hearts. We have a wonderful counselor. You know, it got me thinking, how would you feel and, or how might you live your life different if you knew someone who knew everything about your past, your present, and your future? What are the person sitting next to you knew everything about your past, present, and future? You may not be listening to me right now. You may be going like, what, what does she mean? What should I do next? Where should we go after this? What, what's happening now? Well, then why did that happen to my past? Like, when, if somebody was in your life right now, wouldn't you talk to them at all times and try to figure out what the future is? Because <laughs> when I think about the wonderful counselor, especially in this day and age, in a very um, competitive and ambitious society, when we hear wonderful counselor, we think about our future. We think about somebody who could tell us what the future could hold, what the potential is, what we could obtain, how we get from point A to point B. And it's all about the future. But do you know anybody in your life who actually knows your future? They may know your present, they may know your past, but only God knows all. And here's the thing, when we relegate the wonderful counselor in our minds to just somebody who knows our future, then we forget that there is a past that needs to be healed by the wonderful counselor. Then we forget that there is a present that needs to be informed by a wonderful counselor who can give us a rhema word for today, for that present, who can give us revelation for that time, for such a time as this. And then we need someone who is the only one who holds the future in his hands. Nobody else holds the future in their hands. The wonderful counselor informs our past, our present, and our future. No one else on this planet, not your mama, not your therapist, not your spouse, not your best friend. There's only one wonderful counselor. His name is Jesus. Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we... Do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Isn't it so good that we have somebody who can sympathize with us and empathize with us? When you meet a friend, isn't it so great when you're like, oh, you, me, oh, yes, you get it. You just get it. Right? It's so, it's, it feels so good. And sometimes as Christians, I think that we read this about Jesus, especially during uh, Christmas time where we, we just really focus on Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we see Jesus and we're like, yeah, he gets it. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He understands. And then we stop there. Can I tell you, don't stop there. If you stop there, then I'm afraid that we're only seeing Jesus as human and we forget that he's still God. He's 100% human, but he's 100% God. And the thing about this is when we get really excited about the human side of Jesus, it reminds me of when we really want to have a friend there for us in our hard times without the accountability. Or we want someone to just commiserate with us. Can you just be irritated with me? Can you just be irritated about that situation at work? Can you just be irritated with me about my spouse? Can you just be irritated with me about the kids? Or can you just commiserate with me? But then we don't want to receive any advice. 
I know because as a pastor, sometimes people come and talk to us, and they, um, nobody here, obviously, <laughs> but sometimes we want to receive a lot of grace, right? Give me the grace, 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 but maybe not the truth. I think this day and age, a lot of our society is looking for a lot of grace, but not that much truth. Give me a pastor with great grace, not a leader with truth. You know, sometimes if we only want to see Jesus as human, we don't want to see Jesus as our actual help and actual power, sometimes our judge and even the Lord of our life. Some of us may want to, an excuse to stay weak. Stay weak and not have the accountability to grow stronger. It's really prideful and arrogant, maybe even ignorant, sometimes ignorant, short-sighted. But I want you to understand that, you know, I don't know what you thought when you saw that the message this week was going to be on the Wonderful Counselor, but this isn't a message telling you how to do, be directed in your future. Knowing the Wonderful Counselor is more than that. It's more than someone who's going to tell you your future. It's more than someone who's going to commiserate with you. It's knowing that there is hope no matter what the situation is. Jesus, our wonderful counselor, can inform our past, our present, and our future. He wants to inform your life. And so I want you to understand too that Jesus, because he was 100% God and 100% Jesus and human, he's also 100% the Holy Spirit. So even though he's not here in, our, in the flesh, we still have a wonderful counselor through the Holy Spirit. But we're gonna actually go to, to Psalm 16, and we're gonna read about David and his relationship with God. And remember, there's no difference between God and Jesus, right? If Jesus is fully God and fully, fully human, we can understand that the nature of Jesus can be found even in God's nature in the Old Testament. And this is actually a pretty important text that is one of the first texts where we see a messianic, messianic um, preview to Jesus coming. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But we're going to go to Psalm 16, where we understand how God was David's greatest counselor. He says in verse 7, Psalm 16, 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And remember, the way that God interacts with David is the same way that Jesus interacts with us on earth and how the Holy Spirit interacts with us now. You see how God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. You with me? All right, so here we are, Psalm 16, 6. This is how we're going to be informed on how Jesus can be our wonderful counselor. David shows us this. So Psalm 16, 1, it says this, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. It says here that the title of this section of this actual whole psalm says, You will not abandon my soul. When you are directionless, when you are purposeless, 
when you have no purpose and when you're confused as to what the next thing is to do, sometimes you feel alone or abandoned, right? Sometimes you're like, whoa, where did you go and what am I doing? What's happening, right? But David says, you will not abandon my soul. It says in the New Testament, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. We were never alone. We always have the wonderful counselor with us. And what I, I love in this first verse, verse one and two, we can see how Jesus can be our wonderful counselor in the way that David interacts with God. And how can we, how can we do this? Number one, ask for his safe preservation. If you're taking notes, how can Jesus be your wonderful counselor? Number one, ask for his safe preservation, verse one. It says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. The thing that's interesting to me about this is that I think David has been through a lot. How many people have been through a lot in this world, right? You've been through a lot. Maybe it hurts you. Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe there have been some difficult times, right? Everybody in this room? Well, the thing about us is I think sometimes we go through life and we get hurt or we get wounded and your knee-jerk reaction, and I think a lot of you understand this, is to protect yourself so that doesn't ever happen again, right? So sometimes we rely on some defense mechanisms that are not actually healthy and we build our lives with patterns and behaviors that are all about self-protection. And you would think, here in Psalm 16, David, who is the king, and David, who, um, who has definitely been wounded a lot, who has had enemies chasing him, there's been a lot of bad things that have happened to David. Instead of self-protecting, what does he do first? He cries out to God and he says, preserve me, O Lord, in you I take refuge. So in verse seven, he talks about, Lord, you are, you are the one who gives me counsel. And verses one through six shows us how David um, sees God as wonderful counselor. So we need to, number one, ask for his safe preservation because too many of us are walking around self-protecting. And like I said earlier, we have a wonderful counselor who can advise us in our past and heal us. There's healing that is available to us that only the wonderful counselor, I think, can really address. Some therapy can help, totally can help. I love my therapist, like too much. Love my therapist, love going to her, but she's, she's not gonna know as much as God does, ever. Yeah. He is the ultimate therapist. He is our ultimate counselor. And I think we all need to, to walk in the same humility as David and say, preserve me, oh God. Not, not saying, I'm gonna figure this out, Lord. Not saying that I'm going to um, just self-protect. No, we know that God is our ultimate safe place. So how can Jesus be your wonderful counselor? Ask him for his safe preservation, just like David does. Number two, we can acknowledge supreme pleasure. Now, this was really interesting to me because, uh, yeah, as I was reading this, I normally see the Psalms as a one-on-one -on -one conversation, just kind of like therapy even. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's like David pleading with God, complaining to God, asking God to commiserate with him and just being like, oh, my enemies, get rid of my enemies, mess them up for me, you know? Like, that's like the conversation David has. But 
I realized quickly in verses three and four that he actually is inviting other people into this conversation where I believe he receives counsel from. Okay, so again, it's not just God. He's saying, God, I want you to preserve me. And outside of you, there is no good thing. It says in verse two, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I have no good defense tactics. I have no great coping mechanisms without you. We have no good therapy without God. But then he says and brings in other people, verses three and four. And this is where I'm trying to get to this this idea of acknowledging supreme pleasure. Go with me on this. Verse three, it says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. As for the saints, who are the saints? The saints are others who trust and put their trust in God. The saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Now I know what you're thinking. So if the saints are other Christians, do I actually like all the other Christians in the room right now? You're looking around like, do I actually like all of them? What about that person that we had that awkward exchange with? Or what about that person that I I used to be friends with, but now I'm not? Like, they are gonna be my, my, all my delight? I think this is a challenge for us as a church. Again, this is David to God, but this is us to Jesus and his bride and his church. Are the saints the ones who are counseling you in your life? Who's counseling in your life? Who's speaking into your life? Who is challenging you? Who is edifying you? Who are the closest people to you? I'm not saying that we can't have friends who are not Christians, but your deepest connections and your greatest connection even to God is gonna be through his own body. And I think we're challenged to be more forgiving. We're challenged to be more merciful. We're challenged to be in unity with other believers. I'm not saying best friends. I'm just saying in unity and forgiving because David even shows us, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones. You are the excellent ones, church. I know that you're not perfect. We even say, you know, if you call Project Church your home and you think you're perfect, you probably shouldn't be here. We're all a bunch of projects, right? All the people in progress. You may not be perfect, but, but in you, we delight. Caleb and I, we delight in you. Our staff, we delight in you. I think there's a lot of people and leaders who make church happen week after week because we delight in you. Because I know that Jesus is in you and that God has a mission for all of us to accomplish together. Let's delight in one another. Let's delight in one another. And here's the thing. We can find pleasure in God's treasures. Caleb said this just a couple weeks ago when we were talking about pouring. And the greatest treasure that we actually have here on this earth is other people. Do you know that other people, relationships build the kingdom of God and we can find good pleasure in good company and delight in one another. And then it says this in verse three, this is important, or excuse me, in verse four, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. 
That means that the sorrows that they're experiencing are only going to grow greater. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. I am not going to run after the things of this world. I'm not going to run after the people of this world. I'm not going to run after the influence of this world. I'm not going to run after other people and who are a part of this world who are sorrowful. And their sorrow is going to multiply. And you might be thinking, man, my closest relationships are in, are in outside of the church or outside of people who aren't Christians. And I just want to challenge you. I think that we attract, we attract the same kind of people, deep cries to deep. What is your relationship with the Lord? I just want to challenge you this morning. What is your, your relationship with the Lord? There are moments where, man, Deep cries to deep. Do you know what that means? It's like if you long for God, if you're looking for satisfaction in relationship, I promise you you're going to find satisfaction in someone who is chasing after the presence of God, who prioritizes the presence of God. Where there is the presence of God, there is peace. And where there is peace and there is love and there is joy and there is hope, there's potential for peace when you're in relationship with them. But our sorrows multiply. The saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom all is my delight. Not perfect, but excellent. Next, how can Jesus be your wonderful counselor? He wants to counsel us through his body. Don't forget, we are Christ's body, his hands and feet. Number three, accept his sovereign presence. Go with me. I'm Verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lots. You are the sovereign one. You are the best. You are the ultimate sovereign presence. You rule and reign in my life. When you say that you hold my lot, essentially you're saying when the dice is rolled, when the straws are drawn, when the wheel is turned, when, when, when life happens, when stuff hits the fan, my future is in your hands. My future is in your hands. Accept his sovereign presence in your life. Accept that he is sovereign and he's in control. And no matter how good or how bad, no matter what mountaintop or valley, he is good. He is sovereign and he is in control. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. There are a lot of cups that we can be trying to drink from. I want to drink from his. There's cups and lots of homes and things of this world, jobs, um, notoriety, influence, culture acceptance, political values. I want my cup to be in him. I want, I want, Jesus, I want more of his presence in my life because there I am the safest. Do you see how his sovereignty interacts with our safety? And if you go to verse six, it says, the lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Okay, let me start over. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. This is who we choose. You hold my lot. You are sovereign. You hold the future, my future in the hands. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. The lions are boundaries. 
The lines are boundaries in relationships, boundaries in workplaces, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Some people are scared of boundaries, but boundaries keep us safe. Boundaries show us where our inheritance is. Boundaries show us what is our best, what God's peace is. If he's one whose boundaries we're staying within. I mean, there's some people who are like, oh, I want to be here and I want to be in this cup, but there's a boundary right here. And we wonder why our life is like, what's happening? There's a peace that comes when we understand and accept his sovereign presence in our lives. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. He's so good. Will you accept his sovereign presence in your life? Will you accept the counsel of the boundaries he has in place? Will you accept that he wants life for you, not death? That he wants light for you and not darkness? Will you accept that from him? His ways are higher. His ways are best. His ways protect you and provide for you. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. You might be thinking, man, life is really hard. This is not pleasant. But when there is a sovereign God in the middle of a hard situation and you know that you're within his boundaries, you know that you can hold on and you can keep that hope because your wonderful counselor is going to help you through. Wonderful counselor. The lines have fallen me for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord. Verse 7 again. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. And then we come to verse 8 through 11. The first eight verses kind of shows us how can God be our wonderful counselor? How can Jesus be our wonderful counselor? We ask for his safe preservation. We acknowledge his supreme pleasure in the treasures of people, right? And then we accept his sovereign presence. But I believe after verse 7, we, sh we see how David proves that he indeed has made Jesus, or God, his wonderful counselor. And I think you might be listening to me and like, man, have I made him my wonderful counselor? Or have I made him a means to my end of peace and satisfaction and fulfillment and all these things? Is he your actual reward or is he a means to get the peace, means to get the joy, means to get the hope? Who is advising your life right now? Who is your greatest counselor? What do you rely on when you look for information? Do you rely on the internet and the news more than you rely on your prayer time with the Lord? Are you in the secret place with him or are you living in the known of this world? Only the secrets of God, only the things that will astonish us and bring us to wonder are found in the secret place, place with him. So I have next question for you. How do you know he has become your wonderful counselor? David shows us in verse eight. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at the right hand. I shall not be shaken. Man, I love this. How do you know he has become your wonderful counselor? You, number one, you are exalting him. Do you find yourself exalting him and saying, I have set the Lord always before me? Have you said you are my priority? You are my preference. You are the one who is my portion. 
You are my preservation. You are my supreme pleasure. Is that what we say of God? If you're saying that of God, you are exalting him. And you actually are much like David. And David goes from just this achiness of needing to this assertion of confidence. It actually says in Psalm 16 that this, in other versions, that this is a a prayer of confidence. When you understand that God is a wonderful counselor in your life, there's a new confidence that comes with you. You walk with a straighter back. Your shoulders are rolled back. You walk confidently into new places. You walk with authority. You're not walking in shame. You're saying, you're saying, I utterly, desperately need you, so preserve me. But in verse 8, I shall not be shaken. You know that he is the wonderful counselor of your life when you can't help but exalt him. Are you exalting him? Or verse nine, number two, are you embodying joy? It says here after David says, I shall not be shaken, therefore... If he's not going to be shaken, and if God is his wonderful counselor, and if he's accepted his sovereign presence, if he's acknowledged God's good pleasure over him, if he has asked for safe preservation, therefore, my heart is glad. My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. I love this because it's, we know that God has become our wonderful counselor when we embody joy. And there's a deep, pervasive joy down in the deep crevices of our heart that should be um, sad and depressed. But there's a deep joy that springs out of us when he is our wonderful counselor. And then finally, verse 10, it says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Somebody say forever. How do you know he has become your wonderful counselor? You're enthralled by eternity. Go with me on this. Man, David had no idea who Jesus was going to be. He had heard from the prophets that he would rest with his ancestors and he would um, be promised eternity, but he didn't know what that looked like. Jesus didn't come. So back then when I, with Isaiah, and, and again, like I said, this is like the, one of the first messianic messages um, where there's this talk of a future and, and eternity, right? We see that David is enthralled by it. He's consumed by this desire to be with God forever. He's the one who, this quintessential worship leader who says that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. One thing I ask, but to be in your presence forever. He just wanted to be with God. He just wanted God. He didn't want more hope. He didn't want more joy. He didn't want all of his, only for his enemies to be scattered. No, he really mostly wanted more of him. When we see God as our wonderful counselor, we rely on him and only him, and we desire and long for his presence. We desire and long for a wonderful counselor to guide us, to stick with us, to show us to go left or to right or to pause or to go full force. We want our wonderful counselor to inform us about kingdom business. Here's the thing, David he, he knew about this right hand, being at the right hand. 
I don't think he knew if that was gonna be him. It was Jesus who's now at the right hand. But because he, Jesus is in his lineage, Jesus is in the right, was in the right hand. But here, back more than 800 years ago, he's saying at your right, or 800 years prior, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, forevermore. He longed for eternity. Church, do we long for eternity? Do we care about not just ourselves, not just what we can accomplish in this world, or do we care about the generation and their souls? Do we care for the kingdom and increasing the kingdom? Do we care about doing kingdom business here on earth right now? Or are we just concerned about what's my future? What's my plan? What's my, what's my end game? What's the next accomplishment? What's the achievement that I want to make? What's the next goal? God wants us to be enthralled by eternity with him. Because eternity is with him. Like I said, David is a worshiper. And our worship is made complete when we have utter reliance on the wonderful counselor. When there's reliance on something other than ourselves, there's normally sacrifice. Sacrifice of our agenda, sacrifice of our preference, sacrifice of our earthly priorities. And we put God back on the throne of our hearts and make Jesus king. Where there is sacrifice, there's true worship. And did you know that Jesus didn't just come to come, he came as a gift. He's a gift to every one of us. His wonderful counsel is a gift. His presence is a gift. And I invite you all to receive the gift. It's, it's humbling to receive that big of a gift. But the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of the ultimate best counsel you could ever receive is humility. And many of us have to bow our knee to Jesus, our wonderful counselor. Proverbs 9, 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It starts with him. Humility, humility. I just wanna end real quick with a story. Um, I know I've been talking a lot about therapy, but last year, I'll try to keep this short, but last year, um, Caleb and I, what, 13 years, I mean, we're 14 years, but at the 13-year mark, it was kind of rocky, you know? I don't think anybody would see anything, nothing necessarily happened, but I think there was some communication challenges and just marital stuff, right? Anybody been married? You understand what I'm saying, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, then go like this, so it makes me feel better. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, kind of. Um, so we had some marital stuff and I was like, man, we're about to go into our forties. I was like, we cannot, we both were like, we can't do this the same way we've always done this. I mean, as you grow and as you evolve, some of the old tools, they don't work for the next decade. And then they just grow really dull. And then we're no longer sharpening one another. We're actually like hurting each other with a dull, like <laughs> blunt hit to your emotional health, mental health. It can get crazy. So we were kind of having some rocky times and I was just like, let's go to therapy. And he goes, uh-huh, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> and so we went to our first therapy appointment and I remember the therapist warning me, she's like, well, does he wanna come? I'm like, yeah, yeah, he totally wants to come. I was like, I think he was just being nice. <laughs> but he ended up coming and um, 
and this was really humbling, guys. There was a moment where, um, like, she comes on the screen, and I was going through some stuff, emotional stuff, so as soon as I saw her on the screen, I began to cry. Like, hi, my name is Chrissy. You know, like, it just was so intense. And Kayla's just like, this chick, you know? And at one point, he was like, yeah, I think she needs, so I think she's the one who needs it. And I was like, I think you need it too. And then at the end of the therapy appointment, she's just like, Caleb, I just want to meet with Chrissy <laughs> for a while. And I'm like, dang it, I do need it. And I was like, I thought we were going to work on our marriage. Now we're just going to work on me. Cool. All right, whatever. It doesn't make Caleb better than me. All right, just kidding. I'm fine. <laughs> Therapy's working, totally. Um, but... So I'm going regularly, addressing a lot of different things. She did say at the end of our first therapy appointment, she's like, oh, Caleb, I'll, I'll deal with you later. <laughs> but I probably had more of the crisis moment, right? And so when we went there, it was more of a crisis moment last year. And di everyone's definition of crisis might be different. But for us, it was more crisis. And then this year came just a few weeks ago. And, you know, I was having fun. I was like, this is great. I'm, I'm fine. I don't want to expect anything of my husband. Like, it's not my place. I'm not his wonderful counselor. Somebody needs to hear that in the room. You are not your spouse's wonderful counselor. There's only one. And so I actually stopped asking. I actually never asked after she just wanted to see me. Then a couple of weeks ago, out of the clear blue, my husband comes to me and says, hey, can I go to your next therapy appointment? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, totally, totally cool, whatever. <laughs> and I was actually really excited. And I'm like, yes, I told you you needed it too, buddy. <laughs> Just kidding. Again, kind of. But it wasn't a crisis mode. We get there, it's a great therapy session. He did most of the talking. I just was here going like, yes, this is so fun. But I'm... I'm letting you know we're in a great place. There was no crisis. We just went to therapy. But what was interesting about that was my, our therapist asked us, so what precipitated you wanting to come? I think she was getting ready for like, was there something that happened? He's like, honestly, I just spent some time with the Holy Spirit. And he told me to come. So I know I talked a lot about therapy. But it can never replace your wonderful counselor. And if we're in the secret place with God, and if we're desiring the things of God, and if we're wanting to know the fullness of who Jesus is, and if we want to be formed more into the likeness of who Jesus is, if we want to be a true disciple, we are first and foremost informed by our wonderful counselor. And there's a level of humility in my husband because it wasn't in a crisis moment. Everybody reaches out for help in a crisis moment. But when we can stay desperate in the good times, if we can stay desperate in the good times, that shows God. Preserve me. Be my refuge. Be my strength. Be my wonderful counselor. Would you bow your heads in this place? Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give 
to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.